It was almost ironic that early this week I was faced with the question from someone, why is God letting me go through so much pain? It was ironic in the sense that we were going to actually address some of this in the message today, but it was not ironic in the sense that I get asked that question a lot because there's a lot of pain out there in the world and there's a lot of suffering. And when we start taking a look at it, we begin to wonder why is God letting me go through this thing that I'm going through? Why is, why is he allowing so much pain to sift through into my life? And it's hard to answer that question in part because there's no simplistic answer. And isn't that what we're all looking for? Why do you think diet pill commercials are so successful? It's because they, like me, would like to have a pill that would absolutely fix it. So that I didn't have to worry whether how many times I stopped at Krispy Kreme or how many times I got on the treadmill. I could just take this pill and fix my issue. And that's the way we'd like it to be with God. That's the way we'd like it to be with life. That I just take this pill. I just read this verse. I just do this or that. And that somehow the issues that I face are all going to disappear. We all live long enough to figure out that that doesn't happen, right? That's just not the way it works. We don't go to bed one night with problems and wake up in the morning and they've all disappeared. Unless, of course, the rapture occurs and then that would fix it. But short of that, we're kind of stuck with them. We typically wake up with the same problems that we went to bed with. And I'm not referring to your husband or wife, although that could be the case, I guess. As we take this next step along the road to hope, we really want to look at that question Why has God allowed your pain? And we want to, in whatever way we can, come at it from a biblical perspective to understand this so that as we endure the pain that we have, that we recognize there may be something bigger here than just what I'm feeling. Now, there are lots of possible answers to this question, but I want to give you the four that really surface biblically for me And I think it may be of value to some of you here this morning for reasons why God may be allowing the pain that you're experiencing in your life. And and the first reason is this, because God has given you a choice. God has given you the freedom to choose. Now, theologians have debated, debated for centuries this aspect of is God ultimately sovereign or is God or is man ultimately have free will? And we're not going to enter into that debate. If you'd like to talk about it at some later date, I'd certainly be happy to do that. But for the purposes of it this morning, let me go ahead and state, I believe that we have a sovereign God who holds us personally responsible for the decisions that we make. That's about as simply as I can put it. We have choices. God gives us the ability to choose. Why do I believe that? Because, well, the Bible states that we have a choice and that we are held responsible. Let me just give you one passage in Deuteronomy chapter 30 that helps us to see that. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, God says, This day I call heaven and the earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, what's that word? Now choose life so that you and your children may live. You see, most of the time life is filled with choices. It was interesting as James shared his testimony. He made a choice somewhere along his life that he was going to experience daily the joy of the Lord. 
That's a choice that he made. You don't have to choose that. You can choose a lot of different ways, and and we do. Our freedom to choose is a blessing because we can choose to do what is right. We can choose to do what is helpful. We can choose to do what is loving. We can choose to do what is beneficial. We can choose to do what honors God. That is a choice that we have, but it's also a burden because with the freedom to choose the right thing also comes the freedom to choose the dumb thing. And you and I sometimes choose the dumb thing. The things that often lead to pain in our own lives or pain in the lives of others. We make that choice. Some of you have made choices in your life that have brought a great deal of pain right now. I realize that there are people who live to be 110 or 115 and smoke and drink all their lives. They've got some kind of genetics. God has been merciful to them. But I also know that there are two graves, one with my father in it and one with Nancy's father in it. And I can virtually guarantee you that they are there today because of decisions they've made early in life to pick up a pack of cigarettes and to keep smoking it. Now, this is not a campaign on my part. If I could get you to stop, I would, because it stinks, and it costs you a lot of money, and it's not good for you. But that's not my campaign. But I'm just telling you, there are choices that you make today that affect your life tomorrow. There are choices that you make today that will end up with pain. If I chose to go to Krispy Kreme every single day and just simply consume as one meal a day Krispy Kreme donuts, I can make that choice. But it would not be a good choice for me. I, as much as I'd like, I would love to say that Krispy Kreme is one of the five fa- basic food groups. I would love to say that. But I know it's not. It's a treat. It's something that you get on a sporadic basis and you enjoy it while you've got it, but it is not your basic diet. You and I make choices, and our choices have consequences. But you know what? Because God has given us the freedom to choose, he's also given it to other people. And some of you sit here today and you have been hurt by the decisions that other people have made. The choices that other people have made have brought harm and pain into your life. And if you're like most people, you've probably asked God, God, why did you allow that person to do something that hurt me? It's a reasonable question to ask because you know God could have stopped it. He's God, after all. He can do anything. God could have stopped that. Well, let's think about it for a moment. If God insulates you from all the decisions that other people make, if he prevents them from making choices that harm you, you might be all for that. Until the shoe was on the other foot, And God had to prevent you from making choices that might somehow affect other people. Either we're able to choose or we aren't. If if God just took away our ability to make any choices, you and I would simply be robots going through the motions but not really having any choice but Brussels sprouts. Therefore, we choose Brussels sprouts. Because God has given us this ability to choose, 
It is the ability not only to choose wisely, but to choose poorly. God allows us to choose, and with that freedom comes the opportunity to choose poorly. And when we make poor decisions, it can hurt other people and hurt ourselves. And when they make those decisions, it can hurt us. And so one of the reasons that we have pain in the world is because we live in a fallen world where people have been given the ability to make choices. And sometimes the choices they make end in pain. A second reason that there may be pain in your life is because God uses your pain to get your attention. We mentioned this earlier in the series that pain is like a warning light that there's something wrong. If you feel a bodily pain, it typically means there's something wrong. You need to get this addressed. You need to go to the doctor. You need to check this out. If your body parts aren't working like they were designed to work, you need to get that checked out. It's a warning light. It's a flashing signal that there's something else that's going on that causes our pain. Believe it or not, folks, pain is not your biggest problem. Now, you say, well, that's easy for you to say. You don't know how much pain I am in. But then again, perhaps you don't know the amount of pain that I may be in. Pain's part of life. But it's there to tell us that there's something wrong. And God may allow that pain in your life in order to tap you on the shoulder because he has a bigger issue. Now, I I, I don't want you to get me wrong here. I don't want you to think that God enjoys allowing or bringing pain into your life. I never understood it when my dad said, with a belt in his hand, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I didn't understand that because I'm thinking, you're the one with the belt. You're going to be on the giving, not the receiving end of this leather. How in the world is it going to hurt you more than it hurts me? But guess what? Now I'm a dad and I understand that when I have to discipline my children, when I have to remove some, take something from them and watch their face completely fall, watch their tears begin to flow, or when I have to physically discipline them, it does hurt me. God does not enjoy your pain. He is not a capricious God. He is not a God like the Greeks and Romans had who played with people like pawns on a chessboard. That is not who God is. God loves you. He wants the best for you. He wants you to know joy and peace and contentment in him. That is what God wants for you. But you see, sometimes we think we've got it figured out better than God does. Sometimes we think we've got a better plan. And so we choose to go on our plan. Now, God has warned us, this is not smart. Don't go this way. Don't do that thing. It's just not a good idea. It's going to bring pain. And yet, here we go. Marching off into it as if God's never said, don't do that. And then we end up hurting ourselves or hurting others. It's not the way God wanted us to go. 
Evidently, some of you in your Bible study this morning were studying the book of Jonah this morning. That's a great book to study. That's a great illustration of exactly what we're talking about. God came to Jonah and said, Jonah, I've got a wonderful plan for your life and a plan for the lives of the people of Nineveh. And I want you to go there and I want you to tell them to repent. And Jonah said, you know what, God, I think I've got a better plan. There's a boat heading the exact opposite direction and I'm getting on that. And I'm running away from what you have in store for me. I'm running away for this plan. Now, we know from the end of the story of Jonah, if Jonah had embraced that mission with all his heart, and he had been burdened as God was burdened for the repentance of the people of Nineveh, that when it actually happened, Jonah would have been overflowing with joy. God, look what you just did with the wickedest people in all the world. God, look how you just changed their hearts and changed their minds and changed their lives And there could have been a huge party in Nineveh. But Jonah said, God, I don't want that for my life. I want something else for my life. So I'm going to go away from you. Now, God still had a plan and a purpose. And God wanted to get the people of Nineveh on that plan. And he wanted to get Jonah on that plan. So you know the story. It's how Jonah ended up in the belly of a fish. Because God was trying to get his attention, so he sent a storm and he sent a fish to swallow Jonah after he was thrown overboard. And you know, finally at the bottom of the sea in the belly of fish, which I can't think of a much better place to be, right? Oh man, yeah, that's, you know, where do I wind up today? Yeah, the belly of a fish sounds really good to me. That has got to be stinky and gross and dark. Probably the last place you'd want to be, and it would just, you know, it'd be just like God if if Jonah were actually claustrophobic. And God, you know, let me really get your attention right here. I'm going to put you in close quarters. But this is what Jonah said, finally. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. Jonah may have been saying, what's the purpose of all this pain? What is it you're trying to do here, God? But it never got to him. It never dawned on him until now he is experiencing something close to death, confined in the belly of a fish in utter darkness, not knowing if he'll survive another moment. And it's at that point he said, I remembered the Lord. And if you go back and you read uh, what he writes and what's recorded here in Jonah chapter 2, everything changes from that point on after he remembered the Lord, after he came back to his senses in the Lord. It's the same thing as the story of the prodigal son who goes off and his father has one plan for his life, but he has another plan for his life. And it's only when he is actually in the worst dire situation that he could ever possibly be in, he said he's, he, the Bible says he came to himself. The bulb lit up, and he said, what am I doing here? Look where my choices have brought me. Look at the pain that I have inflicted on myself for choosing to go another way. And he came back. Sometimes pain is God's way of getting our attention. Pain and the sorrow that comes with it is not designed to drive us away from God. It's designed to drive us to God. Think about that. The pain that Jonah had was not designed to drive him away from God. It was to drive him to God. The pain that the prodigal son experienced was not to drive him away from the father. It was to drive him to the father. And maybe the reason God is allowing pain in your life is because you are a stubborn, stiff-necked person who says, I'm going to do it my way. 
And God said, listen, I don't think tickling you in the ribs is going to get your attention. I may have to go a more drastic means. I don't think God enjoys it. I think God says every day as he watches our suffering that we've caused by our rebellion, I think God says to himself, you know what? This is going to hurt me a lot more than it hurts you. So that's the second reason why God may allow pain in our lives. A third reason is this. God uses pain to teach you to depend on him. And yes, the S should be on uses. God uses pain to teach you to depend on him. We see such a great example of this in the life of the Apostle Paul who knew a lot of pain. But he didn't know it because he was rebellious. He knew it because there was something else he needed to know. This is what he wrote to the church in Corinth. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. Listen to this. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us on him we have set our hope and he will continue to deliver us on him we have set our hope It was in the midst of that pain when we were at the end of our resources, when there's nothing else that we could do, when there's no other choices that we can make, where there seems to be no good alternatives out there, when we are oppressed, when we're beaten down, when we're downtrodden. It's at that point I realized, you know what? I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have all the strength. I don't have to have all the wisdom. Maybe I should go ask God. I've told this story a number of times, but it bears repeating because it's so true. When Jay, my son, was much smaller, he, had a, he came across this rock he wanted to move. We were playing in a stream, and this rock was there, and we were kind of moving the rocks around and changing the way the water flowed over the rocks, and it was, it was a lot of fun, and it occupied him in a place where there was no Nintendo or TV or anything like that. We actually had to get outdoors and do something. And that it was a lot of fun. But he wanted to move this rock and he was determined to move this rock and he got super frustrated because this rock would not move. And he turned to me in frustration. He just said, I can't move it. And I said, son, have you tried everything that you know how to do? And he said, yes, he said, I've tried everything. And then he worked out a little bit more and he got so frustrated he couldn't move this rock. And I said, are you sure you tried everything that you know to do to move that rock? And he said, yes, sir, I've tried everything. I said, well, no, you hadn't. You haven't asked me. How many of us go through our days and we are so frustrated at this predicament that we find ourselves in and the struggles that we find ourselves in and we're working and we're doing our very best to try to get out of that, to try to ease the pain, to try to make it right. And God says, well, you sure you tried everything? Have you asked me to intervene? Have you asked me to step in? 
Sometimes it's when we're at the end of ourselves and with no other opportunities to turn anywhere else that we finally turn to God. There's a beautiful expression of faith that's tucked away in the book of Habakkuk. And and it says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the stall and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Even when everything is falling apart and I've got nothing else to hold on to, I can cling to God and discover that He is enough. None of us like to go through pain. But sometimes pain is necessary to help us to understand that we don't have all the answers ourselves. We don't have all the strength ourselves. We need Him. Pain can be one of life's great teachers. But we have to learn the lessons. The fourth reason I want to share with you this morning for God allowing pain into our lives is this. God allows pain in order to give you a ministry to others. That's right. It's not all about you. Sometimes the pain that you go through is, in or, is, is there to enable you to come alongside someone else. God has a bigger purpose. And that leads us to the why in our acrostic that we've been using. As a matter of fact, you found this in your handout this morning. I hope that you'll keep this. This is a summary of all the major truths that we have gone through. It spells recovery, but as I told you, this is not simply about recovery from alcohol or recovery from addiction to drugs. This is about reconciliation. This is about restoration. This is about hope. And this last why on here is our major truth for this morning. And it says this, that I yield myself to God to be used to bring good news to others, both by my example and by my words. That I yield myself, I yield myself to God and allow him to use every aspect of my life, including including my pain. Pain actually prepares you to serve others. Can I I be open with you right now? When I first got out of seminary and became a pastor in a little town called Bethel, I thought I knew it all. Have you ever met a young pastor who is, as the Bible describes, full of zeal but lacks knowledge? That was me. Anybody that had children problems, I could fix them. I didn't have any kids. I didn't know what it was not to have sleep at night. I didn't know what it was to worry about a child coming home who just started driving. I didn't know what it was to have the child scream and my ears perk up because that could be mine. I didn't didn't have those answers. I didn't have many answers to tell you the truth other than the answer. But I thought I knew it all. I thought I had it all figured out. And I could tell people what their problems were and how to fix them. But I became a better pastor, 
because of two things. One, having children. Having children changes your perspective, doesn't it? And your sleep patterns. And when my dad died. When I had to watch a man who was strong and the center of our family wither away and die. I tell you, you can't preach a funeral the same way again. Can't go to a hospital the same way again. My pain changed me, but it changed me for the better. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes our pain doesn't make us better. Sometimes our pain makes us bitter, doesn't it? Sometimes instead of our pain driving us to God, our pain drives us to withdrawal. And it's all about woe is me and this is my problem and this is my issue and you need to understand my pain. But you see, God is a bigger purpose. God is a bigger reason. It goes beyond you. Because you have endured pain, you now are better able to come alongside others. You can sometimes, maybe most times, be a more effective counselor and mentor than I can be. Some of you have gone through a painful and nasty divorce in your lives. I've not experienced that. I don't want to experience that. But you know what it's like to have gone through the fire and emerged on the other side. You know how God showed up and sustained you in that. You now, through that pain in your life, are better able to come alongside someone and say, you know what, I know it looks like the roof is falling in right now, but there is hope. Some of you, some of you have lost children. I can't imagine the pain that that causes to lose child. It's not supposed to be like that. I've heard so many parents say, I was supposed to go first. But you have been that through that pain and you found that, that Jesus is enough. You can come alongside that person and say, I know, I know it looks dark and hopeless, but there's hope. Some of you have been through uh, financial disasters. You've lost it all. Some of you have struggled with addictive issues in your lives. There are all kinds of issues that go on. Here's what I want to tell you. Don't waste your pain. I, I tell my kids all the time when they've messed up, I said, don't waste your mistakes. You want to learn from them. But it's true with your pain. Don't waste your pain. Allow God to use that pain in order to bless someone else, in order to come alongside someone else, because it is proof that we are maturing, that our focus turns outward to being a blessing for others, even in the midst of our pain, that it's not all about me. Now, really quickly as we wrap up this morning, I want to ask and answer this question of, of how do you use your pain to help other people? Because some of you are saying, I, I, I've seen Jesus faithful in the worst of circumstances, and I now have a story I can tell. 
How do I use that pain to help other people? And let me share with you one verse of Scripture that if you want to memorize something, this would be the one I'd memorize. 1 Peter 3.15, But in your heart set set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. The reason for the always be prepared to tell people why you have hope. God has brought you through the pain. He can speak through that pain into the lives of other people. Let me give you three real simple suggestions. Real simple. Real simple. First of all, when you're coming alongside other people to help them in their pain, be humble. Be humble. Remember, you're not saying, I've got it all together. You're saying, with God's help, I'm getting it together. That's a big difference, isn't it? That's instead of coming from way up high down to where they are, you're coming alongside them and meeting them as a fellow traveler on this road to hope. Be humble. Don't come in with all the answers. Don't come in like I was when I first started to pastor full of zeal but lacking knowledge. Be humble. The second attitude is to to be real. It's, It's not about fake it till you make it. That's one of the biggest lies that have been told in church that when I put on my church clothes, I need to put on my church face and I need to pretend that everything is fine. It's not about fake it till you make it. Be as real as you can be with that person about your struggles without going to the extent of focusing on this. This is... Have you ever been? To, have you ever gone to hear? Let me give you an example. Have you ever gone to hear the testimony of someone who may have been an addict, they may have been a prostitute, they may have been in jail, and they spend out of thirty minutes talking, they spend twenty-eight minutes talking about how bad their life was before they found Jesus, and then they spend two minutes talking about how good life has been since then. What do you, What do you remember from that? You remember? You remember the ninety-eight percent? The big chunk, not the Jesus part. So when you come alongside of right, you don't have to dump everything. You just have to be real enough so that they know that you speak from experience. But you're always wanting to point people to the hope that you have in Jesus. And then the third suggestion is this: don't lecture. Let me do the preaching. You don't have to preach. Just share your story of how Jesus came and met you at the point of your need and brought you through it onto the other side. Remember, you are a witness. You are not a defense attorney. Jesus doesn't need an attorney, but he does want witnesses. You will never argue anyone into heaven. Simply share your story. This is my story. This is my hope. And it's founded in Jesus. Now, what do you do with all this? Well, it all depends on where you are this morning. You need to yield to God. And some of you need to yield to Him by coming to faith in Christ Jesus. You realize this morning, I don't have what it takes to live this life. I need Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, we've got men and women here who would love to come alongside you and tell you about how you can know 
Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and have that hope. Get your feet started on the road to hope. Some of you need to yield to God in that you need to come into the body of Christ called the church. You're living the Christian life, but you're living it out there. But God's calling you to come and connect with a body that can encourage you and support you and be there with you in your joys as well as your pains. and Help you to grow and help you to become the person God's created you to be. If God's leading you to be a part of Grace Fellowship, don't let that opportunity slip by. Take full advantage of that. And some of you need to yield to God in that you need to be able to step up and share your story. Don't waste your pain. You have a story to tell of how God brought you from where you were to where you are. Tell your story and always give Jesus credit. Don't take the credit. Always give Jesus credit. In fact, here's something I want you to think about doing as you think about telling your story, and that is... Let me tell this story. But this is why I tell people before they get up to speak here. You need to know how to land the plane. You need to know how to end your story. So start with the end first. And make sure Jesus is included. It's amazing how many times I hear a testimony and Jesus is never mentioned. And the person doesn't even realize it because it's so normal, so natural for them. So as you're thinking about telling your story, start asking yourself, all right, how do I get them to Jesus? Because, folks, isn't that what we're here for? The hope is not found in you or you or you or you or me. The hope is found in Jesus.